in a world that is constantly telling us different things about food. Plant-based, vegan, keto diet, eat meat, don't eat meat, lose weight, don't lose weight, eat what you want, don't eat what you want. We are so confused about what health even means. What foods are we supposed to eat? Today on the Eat to Live podcast, we are going to discuss why you should count nutrients and not calories for a healthy, happy you. I'm your host, Jenna Furman, and I'm here with my dad, Dr. Furman, as we talk about nutrient IQ and the Andy scoring system. Let's count nutrients. Dr. Dad, how's it going? Doing great. Just excited about all the fun I'm having. Fun? What kind of fun stuff are you doing? Tell us more. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Time of your life? Yeah, just always doing something exciting. No, that's really true. It's when I think of your life, I think of you as always doing something exciting. So tell us what that looked like for you this week. Well, I did ski, you know, in Mammoth part of the week. I did ski two days in Mammoth and it was a one hour flight from here. Just one hour. Oh, you actually flew? I flew right from Carlsbad. It was only like 20 minutes away on the plane. And you fly this, this little small jet and it only costs 200 bucks to fly there. It's only an hour to fly to this great skiing. You're in like the middle of Switzerland, like in the Alps. It's just an hour away. It's incredible. Do I even want to know how small the plane was? Like how small are we talking here? It's a jet. It wasn't even an airplane. It wasn't even a propeller. Yeah, the jet had a... I think it sat about, you know, one seat on one side of the aisle and two seats on the other side of the aisle. Probably you could seat about 30 people on the plane. Maybe it was half full, you know. Oh, so that's not that tiny. Okay. I've been on a plane smaller than that. Cool. And the scenery was just incredible, looking out the plane. But now what I'm doing today is I'm rollerblading in the park with rain on a big, long leash so I can give her some exercise. Because what happened today... Well, um, I have to do that to give her to tire her out a little, get her exercise. What happened this morning is she was playing with another dog, and she got her tooth caught in the other dog's collar, and she was crying. And I had to run over there and take the collars off because she couldn't get her face disconnected to the other dog. And then she was so shaken up, she was like, wouldn't leave my side and just stayed between my Aww. legs. and wouldn't, So she didn't get much exercise today. Do you remember when that happened to Rain when I was watching them play? Oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that happened again. Yeah, it happened one more time now. Oh, man. Well, that's two things that I always love about you is you're always doing something outside, which, you know, being outside is my favorite. So that's stuff we could always do together. And you always bring rain. So it's a win-win for me. And now that rain can climb mountains, I put that backpack on her and I'm climbing mountains with rain and she can climb up these really steeps that you think a dog couldn't do. But I hold on to her backpack that has a handle on it or strapped around her waist so I can go down really steep elevation climbs like rock climbing where you need all four hands. But I have like holding rain and like helping her down so she feels confident that she can do it with me. I wish I got a video of you doing that when we were hiking in Arizona because it was so cool seeing you help rain you know, our dog hike up these big, like basically scramble up these rocks. And it's just, she's the best hiking buddy in the world. Besides me, of course. Yeah, right, right. That's second best. So it's kind of funny. I was talking to one of my friends and we were talking while we were on a hike, actually. And she started to ask me if my parents were adventurous. All my friends kind of say like, oh, Jenna, you'll do anything. Are your parents adventurous? And I started laughing when I thought about you, which the answer would be, yes, I think both my parents are adventurous in different ways. But do you remember when we went to Costa Rica, how we <laughs> went on that waterfall excursion? Yes, we went on, what is it called when you go on the rapids and the white water rapids and those kayaks, like two-man kayaks? Yeah. yeah, so we were with guides, so it was us and a guide. And I remember I was probably like 15, and you asked casually if the whole family wanted to go with you on this kayaking rapids excursion. And so naturally, me and Kara were like, 
yeah, we'll go. And it ended up being this like crazy excursion through the rainforest where there was like bugs in my boat. Like that, I couldn't even be bothered by that because there were so many rapids and we actually ended up like lunging over a water, seven foot waterfall. Well, we were flying down. <laughs> oh, remember that time that the water, we hit that waterfall and it flipped me out of the boat and I went flying like over the waterfall, I landing in the water like 30 feet from the boat. But and then, he, then okay, the guide right? tells me, yeah, I was fine, but I could have landed on my head on a rock, but I was fine. And then the guide says to me, you're supposed to hold on to the ropes on the bottom of the boat when you go up over the falls. So I said, you never told me to hold on. You never told me there was ropes down there. I know it was anything else to hold on to. I was just like sitting on the bench <laughs> in the air. I feel like I flipped in the middle of the air, you know? <laughs> you, you were sitting with your hands just nicely folded in, in the kayak waiting to go over a seven-foot waterfall. Yeah. I braced myself. I think I was the only one who didn't go over. So kudos to me. But... So yes, I would say you're adventurous and you always are excited, like whether it's hiking or going over a waterfall or going swimming in the pool, I feel like you're always like stoked on this stuff. And something I want to bring to people's attention is it's not just activities that you're really excited about the stuff with. It's like you get so excited about food and healthy living. And I think that's why a lot of people are drawn to you when you speak about this stuff. I mean, you never called this a diet, the nutritarian diet, you said it's not like a temporary diet. It's a lifestyle. It's a long-term change. And that's something that makes you feel like great and connected by all your favorite foods, all these foods that help nourish your body. Yeah. I just think it's the most fun way to live. You have more fun in your life when you don't have to worry about being sick. And you know that you're going to have fun in your future because you know you're not going to ruin your body so you can have a good time. And then the food, you can make the food taste good. You know, it reminds me, when we first got married when we were young, let's say, we'd, on special occasions, we'd like go out and pig out with like ice cream. or say, let's, It's a special occasion, like New Year's or something. So let's just pig out on like cheesecake and like ice cream from Carvel or something. Or let's just, you know, buy whatever we want because it's unhealthy. Anything as healthy as we want today or something, that's a special occasion. This must have been before my time. Before you were born, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you know what happens is that after a while, like you start to get like disgusted over the years. I think a few things happened. One is you realize you can make delicious recipes that taste just as good on special occasions without hurting yourself. And you start to realize that you're, you don't even like that stuff. You just realized you like, you're thinking of your childhood and your early life of how you used food as a special occasion thing. And then afterwards you realize, well, I like the healthy stuff just as much. And why should I feel like sick and uncomfortable? And why should I pig out like that? And then and after a while we're having more fun with making the healthiest, greatest tasting things that are still healthy and not have to go so decadently damaging yourself to have fun with food. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think everyone who knows you well knows you are a foodie. And normally when we use that word foodie, you picture like someone like going around the country looking up like burgers and this like greasy food, but you're a foodie in the best way because you are like always crafting and thinking of ways of new nutritarian meals and things that taste great. And then when we knock it out of the park with say a great nutritarian dessert, we're like, oh my God, this is so good. And we can't stop talking about it. You could just feel the excitement. Right, right. I remember when you were a kid, you used to bring friends over the house and we used to make these ice cream pops, put, putting like fruit and carob and nuts into a Tupperware freezer thing. You pull out the pops and also making smoothies and like different types of, and you see it's healthy stuff that your friends would taste and say, how can we teach my parents to make this? We'd, they'd say, this is incredible. Come to my house and teach my mother how to make this for us too. You know, something like that. I had a lot of friends that like were very Italian and kind of were used to eating like meat and, you know, perhaps like 
pasta or a vegetable on the side, but like a small vegetable. But when they would come over and I'd be like, let's throw this stuff in a Vitamix. I mean, we were just making fruit or green smoothies, but to them, they had never tasted stuff like that. And they're delicious in in different ways that they were never used to. So it was always cool when friends kind of like envied the way I ate when I was always a little bit self-conscious of it growing up. So I always liked them getting excited about it too. But I think it's so funny when I try to explain to people how much we care about food that sometimes we'll order it from like California when we lived in New Jersey. And I would remember we get shipments of like mangoes that would come over. I mean, being a family of six, we get like 24 mangoes and we, it would just be like a party where we'd be all dancing knowing we'd have mangoes for like a month. <laughs> we'd be like, mango season! <laughs> yeah. When Kara was like three or four years old, you'd ask her her favorite food and she'd say, mango, Haitian mangoes. She even knew which type she liked the best. She, yeah, she thought Haitian mangoes. Yeah, exactly. So we like our food. It's just when people are like, how have you never had fast food? How are you not tempted by it? To be honest, I don't see fried food as desirable or even like an, an edible option. Like when I think and look at fried food, all I really see is that like griddle and of like being submerged in the oil. And like I could picture it kind of outlining my like arteries, cholesterol. Is it crazy that I get that visual in association with the fried food? Susan, when I'm walking through a airport and seeing pretzels and pizza, these things, I don't even think of it as food. I think of it as a drug that people are hooked on these drugs and it's too bad they're hurting themselves with these. I'm sure they're probably, they're enjoying them, but they enjoy smoking and they enjoy drinking alcohol and getting drunk and they enjoy all kinds of dangerous behaviors, but I wouldn't even think of considering putting into your body because you don't even think of it as food. And I do teach, and my message to people is they're not food, they're drugs. That when you take in these fried foods and these processed carbohydrates, it acts on the body like a drug acts on the body. And we've talked about that. And then people get addicted like they are addicted to drugs and it deadens their ability to not only taste real food, but it deadens their ability to interact and, and be passionate and creative about life. Because the, the addictive nature of the brain dulls your brain. And so I don't even think about even considering doing that. I wouldn't even, you know. So that's kind of like so confusing for you to break down for a second. So you have these people, you know, intuitive eating, where it's telling you to stop restricting on everything, eat what you want. That's the way to do this. And then you have people that are like, be super conscious about what you're eating because, you know, it contributes to weight gain and all these problems in later life. But then we're talking about the distinction between there are certain foods that heal and there's certain foods that are actually so detrimental to our health, like wreak havoc on our body and set us up for our brain and bodies to fail us. So it's like you have to put thought into somewhat what you're eating and celebrate the healthy foods that heal our bodies, right? Yes. You know, instinctual eating has some good points, but obviously we both things are too extreme because right now, the processed food industry, you know, the food industry itself has developed foods designed to get people hooked. So if they go by their instincts, they're food addicts, they're going to just overeat themselves into oblivion. It's like you can't instinctually smoke cigarettes or snort cake and drink alcohol. You're an alcoholic. You're instinctually the amount of alcohol you want, which is going to kill you. But in any case, we're talking here, once you, you've gotten a choice of, one, of healthy food and your diet, you're well-nourished with the right type of food, then it gives you the feedback to feel satisfied 
with the right amount of calories, and then you're eating instinctually because you're eating when you feel like eating, you're eating the amount you feel like eating, which is the right amount, and you're also attracted to the foods that are good for you, then you seek out the variety of healthy foods instinctually. Like, I eat a lot of green vegetables, but instinctually I feel better if I put some nuts and beans and fruits and sweets and, you know, something like a, I have some peaches or a mango with it. I'm not just instinctually, I don't feel good just eating nothing but green vegetables. You want to have some fat and some carb you want you know so you want the you know the different flavors and different textures something's hard something crunchy something so you want all the diet then once you get all this the pattern right and you get all the boxes checked for all the nutrients you need then i think the amount you eat kind of feels instinctual you're not overeating you're not eating until you're uncomfortable you're not eating so you're hungry you're not starving yourself kind of just eating what you feel like eating and instinctually it works i i actually love that I mean, what you're saying is it kind of starts with nutrition education. Yeah. Once we're informed, we can make the informed decisions and then build these habits and build these choices that rid us of the disease promoting foods and kind of able to enjoy the different textures and flavors of the foods we should be eating that are good for us. I love this quote from Eat to Live. You said, was it you who wrote this book? I think, I don't know if I'm that guy, but I, maybe I just the guy I play on television. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, whoever wrote the book, I'm quoting you to live right now. To become healthy, disease-resistant, and permanently thin, you can't escape the necessity of eating large amounts of nutrient-rich, healthy foods. Interesting that you said large amounts. Right, comparatively large amounts, right? Because obviously, I think the hallmark or central core of the nutritarian diet is people eating large amounts of green vegetables, big servings of salads and big servings of uh, cooked greens for like a lot of reasons. But number one, they are so low in calories and so high in nutrients and they fill you up without giving you too many calories and they crowd out other foods that would not be more calorically dense or be not as good for you. And, they, and also they have such a powerful healing effects on the body. You know, the green vegetables are obviously green. You know, I always say the more you eat green, the more you get lean. The more lean. you get lean. Yeah. <laughs> See, I knew that one. <laughs> okay, so it's actually, I think it's, the large amounts is kind of funny because when I look at your salads, they are huge, but it's all these raw vegetables that are working synergistically to make this magic happen in your body. And for you, I mean, I don't know if people know this, but like you're fit, you know, you're not too skinny, you know, you're like fit, you're strong and you want to be where you are, but what you eat and how big your salad is, is too big for me. Like if I were to eat that size salad, I'm like, no more, please. Like I don't want more food. I think because my nutrient threshold was met and you're right. It's like easy for me to walk away and be like, like I'm, I'm good on the food now. No more, please. Right. Chewing it also, the amount you chew signals your brain when you had enough food. And because when you're eating the salad, trying to liquefy it in your mouth and like chew each mouthful 30 times till it's a liquid to maximize absorption of nutrients. All that chewing also gives you feedback to the brain to make you more satisfied with eating the right amount of food. So it's really hard to overeat when you're eating a healthy diet. If you're eating the amount of greens and salad you're supposed to be eating each day, it's almost impossible to be overweight. Let's say you ate too much greens and to the exclusion of almost any other food that you're supposed to be eating, what would happen is you'd become too thin because right. you wouldn't get enough calories in. So if you're going to become too thin with too much greens, then people can regulate their weight by regulating the amount of greens they are eating. If they're having trouble losing weight, just eat more greens. 
we make the dressings taste good and we make it taste really good, but we want to eat relatively large portions, but not till a person is stuffed or uncomfortable trying to force it in, you know? Sure. So yeah, I think what I love most about this eating style or the foods we praise is that I eat what makes me feel really good and you could feel it. Like I never feel deprived, even though I practice what we call as moderate caloric restriction. That's just the idea of you don't want to eat till you're stuffed. You want to be able to move to like go for walks and jump up and down. Like it's just not fun to feel like I'm stuffed. And I feel like I used to do that in college. And now since I broke that, you just get more energy and you just kind of like hyper focus on what makes you feel good. But we're not talking about restricting or making yourself uncomfortable or hungry all the time. It's kind of just eating that perfect ratio of the nutrition formula. And it makes you like good to take on any adventure, you know? And I agree with that because that's like, if you eat too much, I can't go out and have an adventure. I'm like, after dinner, I can't go for a hike. Or after lunch, I can't go to the beach and go running on the beach or go for a swim. Let's say it's like 6 o'clock at night. I want to go to the dog beach and run on the dog beach. with, You know, if I ate too much at dinner, I can't, I can't be like stuffed, feeling uncomfortable. So I think the fact that you want to keep active and doing things, overeating is going to make you like unable to do the things you want to do because you can't be active with so much food in your stomach. I know this is too much information, but good thing I'm a chronic oversharer. I get the burps. Like I just get indigestion and like a lot of burps if I eat too much and stuff like that. So, I mean, it doesn't feel good. It's about making yourself feel good. And that's what I love about this. And it's not calories in, calories out. We really do chase and applaud the nutrient levels. That's right. The, also, if I eat a meal like at night, even at six o'clock at night, let's say I'm eating six o'clock at night, if I eat too many calories at six o'clock at night, I can still feel it in my stomach when I lie down at 10 o'clock at night. And if I eat the right amount of food and the right amount of calories, I feel nothing in my stomach when I go to bed at night. So it helps me to like tweak my diet to get even better. So I know that I'm not going to like, because I know if I, you know, Shazley makes these incredible desserts at the retreat, you know, because I'm the boss, I can like go into the freezer and grab the leftovers and, you know, you know it makes the, and I'm saying, well, at least if people are losing weight, I could have more of the second dessert, you know what I mean? But sometimes I've taken too much of Shazley's desserts. And I'm going, oh my goodness, I got to get this, get rid of this. So I, you know, so I'm saying, no, I should just have one dessert because now I feel it. I'm still have food in my stomach. And it's like, I was late, getting late at night. I haven't digested the food. I knew, I knew I overate the delicious dessert tempted me to eat too much. You know what I mean? Dr. Furman, are you admitting you're not perfect? <laughs> um, you know, we're all in this together, supporting each other, right? Yeah, it's true. You want you to support me and you to say, Dad, you don't need that second portion of dessert. Didn't you have enough? I say, oh, thanks, Jen. Yeah, it's true. It's not like we don't like these foods, but I will say I love having it in my little ranikin, like my little four-ounce mason jar, because that seems to be just the dessert quantity that hits the spot. So like while someone is you know, wanting to get involved a little bit more in the nutrient lifestyle than they are... Like, what are the foods that we should really, like, try to incorporate in our diet that's going to make us feel better and help our body? I know you have the Andy scoring system and the Nutrient IQ. So what are these top foods, and how did you discern that they were the king of superfoods? Well, you know, I started out years ago analyzing all the nutrients in all, in all foods, like listing all the nutrients that contain in each food and studying all that and realizing, wow that vegetables, particularly green vegetables, have like 100 times more nutrients than other foods do. 
if you're going to list all the nutrients, including B vitamins and minerals, you know, all the type of phytochemicals, you know, all the, wow, this is rich, beneficial stuff. And then, of course, the studies on humans and how green vegetables are linked to longer life, lower rates of cancer. They're the foods that most actively are enabled to reverse heart disease and the food most protective against cancer, the food most protective against dementia, the food most effective to reverse diabetes, the food most effective to lower blood pressure, the food most effective. The green vegetables became the wonder foods and the foods best adapted to longevity in, in the human species. And those foods, of course, when I added up all the new, trying to say, why? Why are these green vegetables so critically important to human longevity? And of course, we know it's, it's a lot to do with the nutrient per calorie density, that we're getting a lot of nutritional bang per caloric buck. But there's also unique nutrients in green vegetables that are not adequately measured by my ANDI scores or my nutrient IQ scores, which adds up 36 different nutrients the government keeps track of. And of course, the purpose of the ANDI score or the nutrient IQ is so a person can just visualize, wow, greens have 50 times the nutrients you know, of some food like a sweet potato, and they have 100 times the nutrients of bread and chicken. So obviously, there are more than 100 times the nutrients. You know, they're probably 500 times the nutrients. It shows people how weak those foods are as a source of nutrients and for longevity and how strong green vegetables are. But now we've learned even more the last decades. Nutritional science has advanced even more. And now we know even a simple food like lettuce is so critical to longevity that lettuce contains like sulfoquinivose. It's a new nutrient, a new type of carbohydrate that they discover now in lettuce that is so powerful at fueling the growth of beneficial bacteria in the gut and inhibiting the growth of yeast forms and unhealthy bacteria. So all those years of saying make salad the main dish, as the decades and years have gone by, we've got more science that supports the original idea of nutrient density, that these foods that are high in nutrients also contain unique nutrients, like the ITCs or the isothiocyanates and green cruciferous vegetables. And the perfect salad would be 50% lettuce, let's say, a dark green lettuce, especially in modern times, we get these baby greens, these mixed greens, different types of greens. Besides sprouts, they have microgreens. They have such incredibly high nutrient stuff that you can put into a salad. So you have half lettuce and half either microgreens, sprouts, or something cruciferous like baby kale or arugula or bok choy, baby bok choy. So we have all these incredibly nutrient-rich foods available to us that I never would think about eating when I was in my, a child or even knew they were available in the supermarkets when I was a kid. Now we have all these incredibly healthy things more available to us. And then we can make this salad that's so incredibly healthy and put a healthy nut and seed-based dressing on it so we have this like new opportunity to like extend human longevity because the availability of these superfoods are all around us. Let me tell you something about my childhood. I think the word kale is branded on my brain. No, but I will say for your the top foods in your Andy scoring system, like kale always was the top up there. And even when I'm eating my kale salad, which I just had one for lunch before we're shooting this episode, I feel good about it. I'm like, it's so good. I got my kale in there. But I mean, you have all these other green vegetables that are top nutrient winners like collard greens, mustard greens, watercress, Swiss chard, bok choy. Like, I mean, these are powerful foods. And even though no one is watching over my shoulder, I don't feel like I have to please anyone, but I do feel like an inner pride when I eat them because I know that it's doing me well. They're truly medicinal in that they have the effect those foods you listed 
activate a, a system of mechanisms in the body which cause gene silencing. That means the body has the ability to recognize abnormal sections of your genes, even inherited or abnormal sections, and silence them, shut them down so they don't cause damage. It's called gene silencing. At the same time, those green vegetable foods you mentioned have the ability to enhance and activate repair mechanisms in the cell to remove methylation defects. Because when some parts of the cell become overmethylated, called hypermethylation, areas of the cell can then replicate and start to move towards becoming more prone to cancer. But those foods actually will fix the methylation defects before the hypermethylation can occur, so the cell can't become cancerous. So you're wow. saying that you're feeling so good about eating those foods, but that we've learned all these systems in the body that's dependent on those foods. So we're saying when you eat them, then you're putting an armor, a protective armor on your body against disease. And we do, those foods have the ability to protect us against the negative effects of food and living having on other people who are not eating these foods. Do I look good in my armor? Yeah. <laughs> Inside your whole body. You know, you can see the armor on the outside of your body too, Jen, because it colors your skin a little more orange than most people's like pale pinky colored skin. You can see that, that armor on your body because it makes your skin the more the rich vegetable-like color. You look like a vegetable. I do. Yeah, from the well, thank yeah. you, Dr. Sherman. <laughs> I was working on a blog post and I just have to call out beans because I thought this little tidbit of information was so cool. So they did 21 controlled trials about beans and they had the two groups eat the same amount of calories and shoot for eating the same amount of calories. However, one group had beans and the other didn't. And the ones who ate beans were losing weight, you know, to reach their optimal weight when they had weight to lose and the other group didn't. So they weren't even trying to eat less. Calories in is not calories out, you know, but because they had beans, the way it was metabolizing in their body, making them feel satiated and full kind of led to them losing weight and not their bodies not reacting like the other people who weren't eating beans. I mean, that's just on one food. That's so cool. Right. Because beans are the most favored carbohydrate to eat. You know, so obviously we're talking about a diet, a diet rich in greens, but a diet that whose preferred carbohydrate choice is beans over anything else. And the more weight you have to lose and the more unhealthy you are, then the more greens you're supposed to eat. And then the more you exclude other carbohydrates and eat more beans because all their calories are not biologically accessible. They have the resistant starch calories go through you into the toilet bowl and they accelerate the weight loss and the reversal of both heart disease and diabetes is accelerated when people reduce other carbohydrates in favor of beans. So it's another, you know, the nutritarian diet, I might have figured this out, you know, like 20 years ago, or let's say, where it was more the science was written down. But as every decade goes by or every year goes by, more cumulative evidence supports how important these things are that we've been advocating for decades. It's funny. I know that you've actually been advocating for this for about 20 years because I see in Eat to Live, a nice another little quote is, although it is technically a starch, it acts more like fiber during digestion. It's kind of interesting. So I guess you like beans all along. Yeah, and you know what they say, you know, a burp is just a breath of air that cometh from the heart. But when it takes a downward course, it then becomes a fart. <laughs> that was really beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> the thing is with beans is that you're going to get healthy, but you may lose all your friends. <laughs> okay, honestly, though, I don't know. I don't know if this is because I've always eaten beans, but 
But like I, they don't make me like fart. I know they don't make me fart at all anymore. That's right. I know no more fun with the farts because you know, <laughs> when you get used to eating, you stop having farts. It's crazy, right? But I think you recommend for anyone who's like not used to eating beans or who like they're really kind of doing a lot to their of weird things to their stomach. You say start with a little bit and kind of build up your tolerance, right? Yeah, that's right. Having gas or indigestion, start with it. But you know what the problem is? People who don't digest well, they think they try to cut the foods out completely and it doesn't help the digestion. It makes it worse. A tablespoon of beans two or three times a day to improve the digestive tract and build back the bacteria that help with digestion. Because avoiding beans, you're not going to build the bacteria that gives you the ability to digest the beans. So you have to have a little bit of beans frequently to build the healthy bacteria to enhance their digestibility. And also the chewing thing, you know, since I'm trying consciously, because you know how I ate fast and swallowed food and didn't chew well enough, but now that I'm like teaching people to chew better and learn the science behind why chewing enhances lifespan, and now so I'm trying to chew better myself too, and that even means then I'm not having as much wind either, because I'm not swallowing the air when I'm eating my salads, I'm trying to consciously chew it really well. And it's taking me longer to eat the salad. I'm not gulping it down as much as I used to. So, you know, I think that I'm trying to tweak and maybe improve my health because as I'm teaching people to do it, I got to follow my own teachings, right? Yeah, totally. So that's something I don't always have at the forefront of my mind, but I'm going to really slow down. I also feel like because the food hits your stomach, you realize like sometimes if I eat too fast, I don't realize that I wasn't hungry by the end of my meal when I'm still shoving food down my mouth. But if you slow it down, it really does. Yeah, chew better. You know, I try to almost feel like try not to swallow it so soon. And I have to think, I have to be mindful while I'm eating and say, okay, I'm going to chew it enough because if I don't think I'll swallow it too quickly, it'll swallow it and might go down into my belly before I chew it adequately. So I'm thinking not to swallow so I can keep it in my mouth longer to get more chews out of it, to get it more liquefied, and then I'm going to allow it to be swallowed. So I have to be more conscious of swallowing. When I'm not conscious of swallowing, it goes down too fast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's dedication. I'm going to try it. But this is the ultimate friendly reminder to focus and chase those nutrients and celebrate these awesome nutrient-rich foods because they really are the key to life, right? How did I get you guys to eat the food that so much green vegetables? <laughs> well, I got to witness that was Sean. Oh, he's laughing because he loved doing this. Why don't you tell them how you got my little brother to be a kale junkie? I would say to him, because at first he wouldn't eat much greens. So I said, that's good. I don't want you to eat the greens. They're for me because I need them for my strength and my power. Give me all the greens. Don't you eat? You eat the other stuff. I'll eat the greens. I'm going to get stronger. I need it for my work anyway. So he'd eat some green vegetables and he'd give me a push and I'd fly. And I'd make believe he like pushed me with so much force that he pushed me over and I fell backward and did a backflip over the couch, got up all wounded. Oh my goodness, get those green vegetables away from that kid. He can't eat those greens. He'll be stronger than me. I can't have my son being stronger than I am. Mom, don't let him eat all those greens. You always used to say, you're going to be too powerful. You're going to be too powerful if you have that whole plate. He'd wake up in the morning, come down the stairs and go, where's the broccoli, mom? I got to get dad, you know? And then and he'd say, after a while, he got older and he'd say, dad, you're not going to use reverse psychology on me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> His favorite food was like cream kale, right? He like, even now, he like eats tons of the stuff. He eats tons of green vegetables because he just got used to it when he was young. Well, it's funny, right? Because now that he's in college, you know, he calls you guys up and he's like, I just miss your kale. <laughs> I just need to come over and eat some of it. It's very cute. So this reminds me of another, you know, famous dad quote that you had when we were 
little or just always, you said the secret nutrient in broccoli is broccoli because there are so many nutrients and micronutrients and phytochemicals that we don't even know about. So just eat the full piece and who knows what your potential will be. Right. You don't even know all the nutrients that are in there. So I think the message for the people listening is that we just discovered this new nutrient in lettuce just the last couple of years. It's so protective, right? And we don't even know all the nutrients that are in every food. And there are thousands of them, right? Every strawberry has 700 nutrients. Every piece of green vegetables has a thousand different nutrients in there. And we utilize these things and we wonder and marvel at the miraculous beauty of nature and the healing potential and the fact that there's such a beautiful match between the needs of humans and what grows in the natural world and the fact that we can have access to these incredible foods. Like wild blueberries, I'm eating a wild blueberry. I'm thinking, how the hell am I so lucky to get a wild blueberry? I'm not in the woods picking them all day. Who's sitting there and picking these little tiny berries and putting them in a little frozen bag for me so I can buy it in the supermarket? It's such a wondrous thing that we can be grateful for that some workers, some people are growing wild blueberries and these workers are picking these little tiny berries so I can buy the pack of wild blueberries for $3 and eat a whole cup of one of the healthiest fruits in the world. So people have to have more gratitude for these wonderful foods and more gratitude for being a nutritarian. It's a blessing that the science has supported us, that the natural food industry has supported us with making the foods to available for us health nuts to be able to get those foods on our plate, you know? Yeah. So I actually don't think of that enough, but totally very grateful for all the people that pick our wonderful produce, all the farms, all the organic farms. It's truly spectacular and kind of amazing that we're able to enjoy nature's wonders. Baby bok choy, that's like a work of art. We're eating things of beauty, you know, and then you drizzle a little raspberry sauce on the broccoli or a little bit of a Thai sauce or a Thai banana or a Thai coconut sauce on that bro- on that little, little mushroom and that bok choy. So we have like, wow, we're eating like incredible stuff that we made taste great. So lucky. We love eating raw bok choy too, which is kind of the really great dippers. Like those crudite, that crudite plate with the dips we make, ah, that is my happy place. I think bok choy is my most heavily recommended food. It's the food I want to grow in the garden the most and the food I recommend the most because you can eat it raw, you can put it in a salad, you can juice it, you can cook it, you can chop it, you can make it into a soup. It's so damn versatile and it's so high in calcium, an absorbable calcium as compared to spinach, which has a higher in oxalic acid. So bok choy is so low in oxalic acid. And lettuce is just so low in oxalic acid too, which don't bind their calcium, which don't produce kidney stones. You only have to watch oxalic acid anyway if you're a kidney stone former, but you know, most people don't have to watch it that much. But the point is, is you get, but even when you're not a kidney stone former, you still want to have your greens to be relatively low oxalic acid because you want to get the maximize the calcium absorption, especially as we age and the oxalic acid binds some of that calcium and greens makes it not bioavailable. That's why we don't want people to put more than a quarter of their salad. We don't want more than a quarter of their salad to be spinach or baby spinach. One quarter or less, because we don't want their salad to be mostly high oxalic acid greens. And that's why we don't want too much Swiss chard in there, not beet tops, not too much beet tops, Swiss chard, parsley, spinach because of the oxalic acid content. But getting back to my point was bok choy is just the wonder food because it has that high level of calcium. It's just, you can do anything with it and you can cook it into great cook dish meals that are great. And it's just phenomenal. You grow it in the garden, different types of bok choy, and it doesn't attract aphids and white flies and slugs, 
When you grow cabbage and broccoli, the bugs are all over the place. But when you grow bok choy, it's so easy to grow. It doesn't attract a lot of insects, so you get much cleaner. You know, it's not attacked by a lot of natural predators. He really is a farmer. So do you think I'll be a farmer in my old age? Do you think I'll end up just like you? I don't know. It's very relaxing, but there's something... Did I just call you old? Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. You're so young. That's okay. So very young. <laughs> there's some kind of pleasure you get out of eating food that you grow yourself. You know, I get such a thrill from sharing or eating food from my own trees or something. Yeah, it's really cool. There's something cool about that, of living off the land, you know, or finding some wild food in the woods or picking some wild mushrooms or, and picking some, what are they called, um, parsley. You can get so much parsley in the woods to bring back wild greens. The last thing I'm going to say is that speaking of your wild streak, it's like you have this dream all of a sudden about foraging in the woods. Like, I feel like you want to just us to drop you off. You don't want to live anywhere. You want us to drop you off. What? Definitely a pair of sneakers. Maybe that's a knife. But you have this idea that you're going to live in the woods for like a week and live off the land. Yes. My sister and her significant other bought this mountaintop, 120 acres in Costa Rica. And it's all like with like eight waterfalls and it's all jungle, uncharted jungle. And it's like, you have to climb it. And I'm going to go there with a bunch of people maybe with like 10 people. We're going to live out in tents with a machete and bring clothing and everything. Okay, the disclaimer is there's no official plan for this yet. <laughs> the idea is still formulated. <laughs> the person has to sign something that if anything happens to them and they die, I'm not responsible. <laughs> <laughs> this honestly sounds like some crazy idea where I'm like, this is dumb and then end up doing it. So TBD on foraging in the wilderness, but we'll see if I join you okay. or not. Sounds like I will. Okay. Okay, so if you guys want to know more about the Andy scoring system or see that list, see how many awesome foods you're eating from Dr. Furman's list, just search the Andy, A-N-D-I, on drfurman.com. You could find the information there. So find that list and let us know how much good foods you're eating. Don't we have the Nutritarian Handbook and Food Scoring Guide, too? Yeah, that's just like a quick list of also the best foods. And there's the 100 Best Foods magazines, too, where we've you know picked out some favorite foods. All great resources on drfurman.com for y'all.